Well, let's, we're just going to pray right now. Our topic today is risk, city on a hill. And before we even get started, Lord Jesus, this is not an area or a thing that we can do without you, Father. It's not something we're supposed to do without you, Lord. Lord, I just pray over this meeting, over this body, over this congregation, Lord. I pray for myself individually and collectively, Lord, for each and every member here, Father, that this is a community unto you, Lord. And we want to be a community that risks, that steps out of our boxes, Lord. And to give it away at the end, Lord, with you, it isn't a risk. So we just thank you, Lord. And I just speak your completeness over this meeting, over every word, over everything that's supposed to be said, Father, that you would have the glory, Lord Jesus, and you'd have your way in us. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. So we're starting out today. Risk and then this guy. This guy is us. Notice he's sitting on his bed, waking up, and the sign says, first pants, then your shoes. Sometimes we just don't know which thing is supposed to come first to start the day. And I'm going to pose a question to you. And I'm going to give another thing away. I'm going to try to probe you today. But I can't do it. You have to do it. I'm going to try to agitate your own minds and your own states. And it's up to you if you want to participate in the process. Where are you going? What do you want? What do you feel called to? Where is risk-taking active in your life? In your walk? Last question. Why aren't you taking that risk? Now, some of you are note-takers. Some of you are just thinking about it. I want you to, when, the first thing that came into your mind when I said, why are you not taking that risk? Just put an asterisk next to that. Put a little bullet. I'm going to give you my thesis statement on the matter. I think it's because we're only going by what we think. I think we've got constructs that we say, well, this is the way it has to be, and I can only do this if this part comes into place. I'm not going to get up and speak or pray. I'm not going to go to another meeting because that's going to take time away from the things that I want to do. There is, in risk, sacrifice. There is, in risk, coming out of what you know. Or else, if you know it, and you know what's going to happen, it's probably not a risk. You know, for me, cooking an egg is not a risk. I know it's going to happen. I do know that it's going to be good. I'm going to put some uh, goat cheese on it, a lot of black pepper, and I'm going to have a good time. I know that. Some of you are like, goat cheese? Really? We want change, but most of the time, we don't know how to get out from beyond our own experiences. We think that our knowledge is going to be what it is that's going to propel us to take a risk. We think that the safe way is always the right way. And oftentimes, what is common knowledge is this is what you're supposed to do. This is the way to get to success. This is the way to break out. This is the way to be happy. We're told one thing. This is it. You go down this path, you're going to be good. And the antithesis is actually the truth. And I want to give you some examples. Let's talk about college. How many people, college degrees, whatnot? Let's talk about successful people that didn't finish college. Steve Jobs. Everybody knows that one. Jeff Bezos. Anybody know who that is? Amazon. No college. Larry Page. Google. Hewlett and Packard. <laughs> Bill Gates. We all know Bill Gates. 
Michael Dell, a lot of computer guys. Mark Zuckerberg, another computer guy. All right, so it's saying, all right, now you, well, not really college, but they had some form of education, they were able to do it. All right, so let's go to the flip side. Let's talk about people that weren't qualified to do what they're doing now. Steven Spielberg, never went to film school. Mary Kay didn't go to cosmetic school. Michael Dell didn't go to computer school. Henry Ford, well, he basically invented what we know today as automobiles. Bill Gates. Oh, and Rachel Ray has no cooking uh, real experience. She didn't go to culinary school. Now, these are people that got together in a little garage band. That's, that's what I had, like to think of it as. This is, this is a group of people with a, a, a burden, like, look, I really feel like this is something that's going to be really cool, man. They're, they're, they're all, you know, clumped up in the garage, and that's what they talk about, the garage, the basement. You know, nobody can see us. I'm just going to share what my burden is, and we're just going to wrestle through it, look at binary code until, you know, our eyes are about to geek out. What I love about this, though, is that there's a real vulnerability in it. There's, there's a realness when you're, when you're stuck in that spot, and it's a spot about burden. It's about, this is what I feel I'm called to do. This is what I want. There's something wrong here. I have to get in here. I have to get into the room and fix it. Will you come into this room with me? Are we going to do this together? All right, let, yeah, let's do it. We'll spend two years, three years, five years, ten months, whatever it is, and we're just going to hash it out. I want to jump into the Bible. We're going to talk a, a little bit about Nehemiah. We're starting in Nehemiah chapter 1. I'm learning this. <laughs> I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. I believe that's what's projected up there for you guys as well. And I'm just going to paraphrase this. Not, not paraphrase, but I'm going to apply us to it. And you tell me if you don't think this is where we're at. And we're talking about Nehemiah, and he's hearing about Israel and the gates being destroyed, and basically his homeland is, is falling apart. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned. I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. That's what we're supposed to be doing right now. And I said, oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open and hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel and your servants. That we pray on Wednesday night and in our homes every day for our country, for our community. Hear this prayer, Lord. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, we have sinned against you. Even I in my father's house have sinned. I'm falling short, Lord, in my prayer life. I'm falling short in my passion for you, Lord. I'm falling short in the command and the post that you put me in my community. Taking into account when we prayed on Wednesday night, we prayed for repentance for our country, not just us. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded for your servant Moses. I'm going to jump down to the bottom. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight and fear your name. Hear us, Lord. Give success, this is important, to your servant today and grant him the mercy in the sight of this man. What is he talking about? Well, he's about to go do something. He's about to go do something really, really risky. Really, really risky. Now, Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king. It's his job. You know, this is his job. He works for the king. He's got the inside track. This is a guy who's got, let's see, he's got respect. 
People respect him. I'm sure he probably granted favors because he had access to the king. He was able to have the king's ear. He was trusted by the king. So I'm sure they had a very good relationship. He had prestige. He lived in comfort. All right? Now he's about to throw that all to the floor. And he's going to go to his boss and he's going to say, listen, actually the king, because he knew him so well, said, something is troubling you. Why? Because that's how close they were. He said, listen, my home is burning. My home is falling apart. King's like, well, what do you want? What are you asking of me? He's like, let me go. Let me go back and rebuild my, ta- rebuild my city. I'm being called back. Well, when will you come back? I'll give you a date. Can I go? Yeah. Not only that. Now, that's big. That's big in itself. Now, if we're going to equate that to our own lives, that's me saying, this is Naeem speaking, that's me saying, you know what, listen, I can't do this job anymore. I need the money, but I can't do this job anymore. I'm called to something more. There's a sacrifice that's going on there. That risk puts me out into a greater level of dependence. And the further I go, the more dependence I'm in. The risk puts me out into the deep end of the ocean at the will of the Lord. And we have a choice. We have a choice on a daily basis how far that goes. And, you know, maybe it's a question of praying at work. Okay, well, I don't know if I can pray at work. Well, I'll tie my shoe and pray. And that might be step one, all right? And maybe you tie your shoe at the same time every day. It takes five minutes and people, well, are you still tying your shoe? Yeah, I'm tying my shoe, you know. And maybe that shoe tying, you know, at some point, because it's more popular, you may be going to a little Tebow. Oh, yeah. You know, people come, oh, he's Tebow, I'll get a picture. Oh, you know, everybody's Tebow, you know. And it goes to that. And then maybe, well, why are you T-boning for so long? Well, you know, honestly, I'm praying. I'm just saying a prayer for, for my dad. I'm just saying a prayer for the country. I'm saying a prayer for my wife. I'm saying a prayer for my kid. It's not like we're just jumping all the way out there. We have to take step one. What becomes apparent here with Nehemiah, and this is in the initial, not only does he ask to leave, but he also says, I need you, boss, I need you to send me letters ahead of me because as I pro- proceed through the nation, through the kingdom, I need, to, I need supplies and I'm going to need people along the way to come along with me to get this job done. It's going to cost you this. You're going to have to send me servants, military. You're going to release some of my people. Oh, yeah, I'm going to need timber and steel and all this other stuff to, to actually build it. And I'm asking you for this as well. If I went to my boss at Longwood and said, listen, I am taking a position at another school and I'm taking all of the leads and the best cooks with me, is that okay? Oh, and by the way, I want half the food to get started. That's the kind of risk we're talking about. The Lord comes in when we take a risk and essentially what he's doing is turning things on its head because he's teaching us over and over and over again that what we know and what we think is not reality. And as stormy and loud as it looks, when we take that step and we go into that risk place of, oh my gosh, holy cow, no way in the world. Oh, this wasn't so bad at all. Now we're in a new position to take another step. And before you know it, instead of just saying a one-word prayer, which is fine, now we're teaching other people to pray. Now we are ministering the word. Now we're doing things a month from now, six months from now, a year from now, that we had no idea that we were able to do. And when we do look back, it's not anything that we did, because there's no way I was not qualified. It's all God. 
I want to talk about one, I want to talk about another person. We're going to talk about two more people, but this is this 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 guy blows me away. Literally, you guys all know him. This is Felix uh, Baumgartner. He's the man that jumped from the stratosphere of the world, 24 miles down, and lived. <laughs> let's let's just put it that way. Lived. This was really cool. I was I was I saw it. And I, I, I purposely stayed away from it because I know I get too excited about certain things. I couldn't help but read a little bit about him. And he says, um, there was a moment. So there he is. He's in the capsule. He's in a pressure suit, which he hated and loathed. He's here. The hatch opens up. And he said, in that moment, I saw the entire world. And fear hit me. I was overwhelmed by how much. But he jumped. On the jump down, because he's at such a high altitude, where the air is super thin, he's falling, right? He has no idea how fast he's going. There's no sound, which is the way that we're metering our speed. It's turbulent. His body's flying all over. He had about 40 seconds to get it right. 40 seconds to get it right, or it's over. Now, it's great to look at a guy like this and say, wow, that was just awesome. But what we forget about a guy like this is he's been training and planning for this for five years, which earns him the nickname Fearless Felix. Fearless Felix didn't get his nickname and just say, oh, you know what? I'm just going to jump out of a, you know, no. Nobody's going to back somebody like that. No, he jumped off of buildings. He jumped off of mountains. He jumped off of cliffs. He jumped off of bridges. He jumped out of planes. Higher and higher and higher. And not only was his credibility established, but other people came around, because Fearless Felix didn't have the money to go up to the stratosphere and jump out. But people said, well, this guy is actually going to do it, and he's training himself to do it. We're going to back you. We're going to back you. Your consistency and your passion is worth my time and my energy and my money. And so many times we look at things and we just say, well, I can't get there. Well, you don't need to get all the way over there. You just need to take a step here. You know, maybe it takes you a day or an hour. Maybe it takes you three years. But that's the only way you're going to get over here. We look at our Christianity and we come in and we're sitting down and we're worshiping and it's great. The atmosphere is wonderful. But we get into the sense of passivity like, okay. I've gone far enough, and now I'm enjoying myself. It was a good service. Can't wait to go home and eat or watch a program or whatever. That was good. James gave a great word. Oh, Pastor London gave a great word. Oh, the worship was phenomenal. All right. So, what's for dinner? <laughs> and then there's no transformation. There's no risk. So many times in our Christian walk, we're looking and saying, well, where is everybody? Where are the people? Where are our saints? Where are all of us on a Wednesday night? And we say to ourselves, well, no, I can't pray. I don't know enough. Or I can't do this. Or I'm not going to do that. Or, it's going to take up too much of my time. We think of ourselves as so timid that we're made of glass and that this and the way that we're living right now is the only way that we can ever live. And that is the antithesis of our Christian walk. We are called to an adventure to be brought from one glory to the next. Last thing about Felix. He's the only human in the history of the human race in this particular category. I'm sure Jesus did it too, but I don't know what it would have been like. It would have been like a supernova. But he is the first human in the history of humans, uh, in, 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 of the human race, to achieve a sonic boom by himself. No engines, no jetpacks, five years of planning, 
jumping, being fearless, taking more risks, taking more risks, taking more risks. Guess what? He's got a boom. I want a boom. I want a boom. Are you at the door? Is there a place in your life where you're saying, I don't know if I should take a step? Is there a place in your life where you're saying to yourself, I don't know if I can do that? Is there a place in your life where you're saying, guess what? I'm just not sure that this is God. And, and this is the key, and I love this one because this is me. I'm, I'm being honest. It keeps coming back up over and over and over again, and you keep finding an excuse to get out of it or an excuse for why I'm not going to do it or not right now, but it's the same thing that keeps coming up. Listen, that's not some kind of happenstance. That's God. I'm going to give you another little quick example. If you want to find out and confirmation of that, the question that I have for you is, do you have a garage band? Do you have the basement group? Now, we talk about the journey shared. How can, how can you be called out of something that you keep saying, well, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. You keep saying, I'm working on it. After five years, you are still saying, I'm working on it. Is anybody working on it with you? Does anybody else know what's going on in there? Is there anybody else in your life that's going to call you out of that? Keith Robinson talks about his and I relationship very, very often. I want to just throw one more thing out there. When I first sat down with Keith Robinson, I was mad at him. He's not here, he's sitting at the tape. I was mad at him. You want to know why? Keith Robinson, who is an amazing chef, a trained chef, I am not a trained chef, and I was jealous. That's the truth. I was jealous of him. I was jealous of what he I never even tasted his food. His food could have sucked. I still hated him. Seriously. We had conversations, and I look across the table from him like, what is going on here? I am never going to cook next to you. I will never do it. It's just gonna, it's gonna be, it's just gonna be a fiasco. Like, no, absolutely not. But in my relationship with Keith, my cooking has improved. His cooking has improved. Our relationship together, he's called things out of me that I would never have done five years ago. Megan and James, Jamal, they can all tell you about about me. They can all tell you about consistency. They can all tell you about communication. One of the direct reasons why it's improved is because he's made me improve because of the relationship that I've had with them. That's just one person. But if we refuse to get into the basement with other people, don't expect to grow. It's nice to hear from God, and it's true that we hear from God, but God can affirm things. God can push things out of you with the people that he's given you in your life, in this room. This is supposed to be the basement. This is supposed to be the birthing room of great and marvelous things. We're told that we're going to see things beyond the things that we read about in the Bible in the last days. Do you not want to see that here? Do you not want to see that here? Seriously. Do you want to see that here, yes or no? That's not rhetorical. I'm being honest. I want to see that here. I want to see some crazy stuff. I want to see a line out the door. I want us to not be able to fit everybody in this room. I want worship to shake the walls. You know, the old building, we used to joke about it, someone was going to fall through the floor because there were soft spots, and the building would shake when the worship got going. This is a concrete slab. We can shake this. Come on, we can shake this. I'm going to finish up real quick. I want to read something to you. Everybody from last time that I spoke, uh, I need you to take a deep breath. Do it again. You can close your eyes. Yeah. Chris? I love this. I read this almost every day. Past like three months, 
It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man or woman who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends themselves for a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, if she fails, at the least he or she fails while daring greatly, that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. That scares me to be a cold and timid soul. It frightens me to not have a voice or not be walking or not be in the river where the Lord is telling me to go. It scares me in this day and age. Anybody in a timid moment? Anybody in a timid moment? Some of you are nodding. Anybody in a timid moment? We're allowed to have timid moments. Timidity and being afraid is not the mark of failure. It's what we do with it when it comes up. Are we able to express that? Do we have anybody to express that to? A really good uh, uh, thing that I've, I've heard over uh, a number of months is that uh, there's nobody around for me to talk to or there's nobody around that I can really, um, that will really be friends with me. And um, I've heard this from a number of people and in talking to them, I shared my own experience, and I said, well, you know, I had that issue for a while, and it wasn't that there wasn't anybody around for me to talk to. It was just I was hiding. And what ended up happening was I said, you know what, Lord, I, I started praying for a friend. And in praying for a friend, I realized that it was me running away from other people. You know, that was a revelation that God was giving me. But it comes from being honest, and we have to be honest with ourselves and where it is that we are. I'm going to finish up here. And this is, uh, this is the crux. This is something very interesting that I love. Um, John 5.14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God of the, of the universe, the, you know, the God that you know, Felix looked down and saw the whole thing and was like... <gasps> took his breath away, that God, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Summation statement. If we're in God's will, we cannot fail. If we are taking the risks and we are stepping out into the places that God's saying, here, I want you, no, I want you here. Well, I'm not sure I can go there. Hey, guys, can, can I go there? Well, I don't know, Barbara. Let's take a step. Sorry, Barbara, you're... Mid-eye contact, you're in. Sorry, <laughs> you're locked in. Can, can I try to take a step? Yes, we think you should. I don't know if I can go any further. I'm too tired. I, I just don't have it. We're praying for you, Barb. You can do it. I, I, I don't know. Is this really it? I mean, I, I feel like this might be it, but I don't think I have the right song. My voice is just not on that. Le Barb, you can do it. 
all right, I'm going to try, but really, uh, a solo in front of the whole church? What, what, was the, what was the song that we made you sing? It's all about me? Really? We want you, you want me to get up there? Yes, Barbara, it's, it, we know it. Holy smoke, I had no idea. One of, one, of, one of my personal defining moments, I was going through a, 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 a real pickle, and um, Pastor Linda, in her Pastor Lindaness, handed me a book. And of course, because she's Pastor Linda, she knows the books in and out. She gave me this book called Hind's Feet in High Places. Um, and at the end, uh, the author talks a little bit about some of the book. And, you know, it's an allegory, and I encourage it to anybody to read to their children, especially teenagers. Um, what I loved about it I was talking about the mountains and the hills and valleys. And the interesting thing is when you're climbing up a mountain, and if you've never done it before, you climb up the mountain and you get up to a point, let's say you get up to 1,000 feet or whatever, and it's great. And it's a struggle because you're climbing up the mountain. You have no idea, you know, what's going to happen next. And you, don't, you can't really see anything. There's no view because you're on the side. You know what I'm saying? So when you get to the top, it's beautiful. The whole thing changes. And from 1,000 feet to 1,500 feet, the picture changes again. And there you are. So you're at the top of the mountain, and you're looking off in the distance, and there's a higher peak. Now, to get to that higher peak, I have to go back down again. So let's say I'm at 1,000 feet. I go back down. Here I am down. So now I'm in the valley of where I was to where I'm going. I can't see too much. Now, if I start climbing back up this new mountain, when I get to 1,000 feet, I'm beyond my strength. I've never done that before. I don't have the stamina to do 2,000 feet. The workload on my body changes. That's why people that climb Everest have base camps. They have to acclimate each step of the way because it's so high. We're called to, from glory to glory, but what glory to glory means is it's a glory that God develops in us. As we risk and as we trust, we become more dependent and as we become more dependent, we're able to bring and come to different heights. And as we get to different heights, our view changes, our perspective changes, which changes how we live. It changes how our very DNA is made up of. But in Jesus, a lot of us are in storms. We all have our storms. But there's a family storm. It's a physical storm. It's a calling storm. We all have storms. And I think it would be ridiculous to think that God is saying something to me and not to you. I think it would be ridiculous as a church to think that God's not kind of calling us all out to a deeper level with him. I think it would be ridiculous to think that in this day and age that prayer or fasting or sacrificing something for the Lord to get on our knees for our families, for our community, for our country, for ourselves would be ridiculous to not do something like that. That's just me. I would think in this day and age that we're living in, when we walk out there and you hear the news, you hear the news radio, you turn on the TV, there's no good report happening. Behind the wind, behind the storms, behind the doubt, behind the I can't do it, behind the this is how I grew up, behind the my dad did this to me or my dad wasn't there, or behind my mom did this to me and my mom wasn't there, behind all of the physical ailments of what I'm capable of, there is a truth being spoken to us to say, I don't need you to climb Everest. I just need you to go here. I need you to walk 10 feet for me. I need you to get up and just show up to the prayer meeting. You don't have to pray. You just go there and show up. I'll handle the rest. Maybe there I can minister to you to take the next step. 
I just need you to show up to a feeding. I just need you to donate food over there and go see how they're doing. Lend them 10 minutes. Put the groceries away. I just need you to come in and help some people out. The last days, there's going to be a wearing out of the saints. Well, if only a few people are doing it. Well, no wonder. No wonder. Even the military puts people on guard while the others are sleeping. If I'm being attacked on all sides, guess what? We need more people. We need more bodies. We need more women. We need more men. We need more prayer warriors. We need more humble people that understand that this is the moment that I cannot do alone. We need people that understand that there's more to me than what I've grown up with. There's more to me than my Christian walk has been up until this point. God is calling me into a deeper level with him. He wants me closer, not just to work for him, but because he misses me, because he loves me, because if if it's my daughter and she can sing, and I'm like, oh, that's a beautiful song, Julia, but I want to nurture that song. I want her to get up and be able to sing it even louder. I want her voice to go to octaves I've never heard before. I want to see her be the best. I want to see her express herself in the most. I want her to be completely free, naked, straightforward. And I think that's what God's saying to us. We're in a time right now that's very sensitive. We're in a time right now where God is speaking to us not intellectually, not just intellectually, but spiritually. We're in a time right now where prayer, stillness, is being called out of us so God can speak to us. There are times where we are at unrest, we are uneasy because our engines are still going, but it's not that our engines are going, it's that we're being held back. Something is saying, slow down, please, slow down, please, slow down, I want to speak to you. was for me, speaking to me that way. City on a Hill, he's calling us out right now. He's calling us out individually and as a church and as a community, not just for our homes, but for Middle Island, for Long Island, and the United States. That's the truth. It's biblical. Best part, Jesus. Always. Jesus demonstrates over and over real humanity. See, if he was, if God was just going to be God up there and didn't really think about us or didn't really love us, he wouldn't have given us Jesus. He he gave us Jesus fully human. Fully human. Had to sleep. He had to eat. He had to rest. What was great about Jesus, which everything was great about Jesus, what I love, and I'm just pulling out some things, is that his humanity was never hidden. He was tired. He got tired. He got stressed. He had obstacles and things thrown out his way on a constant basis. He had burdens. He had people that were looking to him, whether it be a family, whether it be a job, whether you're running the show, whatever it is. He had people that were looking to him. He was put in truly difficult situations, and he never hid the fact that it was a difficult situation. He might have made it look easy with his responses, but he never hid it. People knew that he, was out, he went out to go fast. It wasn't a secret. They knew that he was tested. They knew that he was tired. He said, be with me right now. I don't want to be alone. I need you to be with me right now. One of the last great things, and I think this is, my, uh, this is my glue. This is my new thesis statement. Jesus 
Jesus was always naked. There was nothing to attack him with. There was no surprise you were going to spring on Jesus. It was all out there for the public to see. You want to know what he's thinking? He told you. You want to see that he's tired? He told you. You want to challenge him? I'll answer you. I'm not going to hide. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is, this is what's going on in me. This is who I am. If we can't get to that level, we will always be hiding. If we can't have that level with ourselves individually, no less with the basement crew, how in the world will we do it with the church? How in the world will God bring out the sweet nectars of our own being? How? This is the new thesis statement. Risk is equal to faith. Our risk level is a direct, straightforward, out loud level of how we view God and how much we trust him. There's no other way to say it. If we don't think that God's really going to be there for us, if we don't think that God's going to carry us, if we don't think that God's going to meet us when I step down to the next step, that he's not going to be right there and that he wasn't with me here with the group of people saying, oh, go, you got to go step. <laughs> Keep going. If we don't believe that, then we don't believe God is who he is. Jesus, after he was crucified, presented himself and he showed his hands. He showed his scars. Scars are important. The scars are the signs of what you've been through. The scars are the signs of what you've been through, and they are your ministry. How you came out, the things that you overcome. Oh, you had a, bad, you had a rough marriage, you got, and then you, now you're in a new place with that marriage? Well, that is something that other people with a rough marriage, with the same issues, are going to be gravitated to. You have now access to speak over it. And that's why God has access to speak over death in our lives. That's why he has access to speak over sin in our lives, because he took all of it. Yes. And he didn't hide them. If I take off my shirt and I have paint on my sleeve, the painters in this room will know that I was painting. If I had blood coming down here, the stain that would be on my shirt, the doctors and nurses in this room would know, that's not ketchup, that's blood. Jesus had everything that you can imagine on his body, in his mind, and he didn't hide from it, and he didn't say, well, now it's all pure and white. No, he came back and said, look, Look at what I've overcome for you. This is what I'm inviting to you. This is the spirit that I'm inviting to you with. That you have this overcoming spirit in living, you, living in you. You have this call to greater and more. My desire today was to agitate what was going on up here in your heads. Agitate what's going on here in your hearts and call you out to more. God's calling you out to more. And when we come up and we take this table, this is the invitation. This is the invitation that says, more. Let me come. Be vulnerable with me. Come pray to me first. You don't want to talk to anybody else. Just come pray to me first. Be honest. Go home, sit at your couch, turn the TV off, get on your knees in front of the couch, and just pray. Maybe it's one word. Sit for a second. I don't know. Just take the first step. All right, Lord, I want to be with you right now. Everything else, Father, I, I, whatever. Yes, send me somebody. Give me a text. But we have to start. We have to begin or we won't ever progress. We will never have moments like Felix 
at the edge of the world, not the world, but the stratosphere. You understand what Felix, a human, human, was standing on. It's bigger than our planet, 24 miles from where he was to the ground. Space looks different from there. And I think that's a great picture of what we're being called to. Because the places that we're saying, I can't go, or I can't do, or I'm not adequate enough, I, 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 has nothing to do with what the life that we've been given is. So that's it. That's the invitation. Take from my body. That, was, that overcome everything. That took on everything that you have. That showed it off for the world to see. Here, yeah. This is my issues. I'm still worshiping. I'm still praying. I don't have the right words. I stutter. I have a lisp. I just yelled at my kids. It doesn't matter. I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to call out your name, Lord Jesus. Here's my blood that was shed for you, that was spilled all over the ground for you. Viscous, real, that sticks to your lips. We're supposed to be a different people, called to a different nature, a godly nature. And what does that mean? That means that the Spirit functions us, not this. Well, this looks like a really good thing to do. I'm going to join every single ministry on the map. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you to join everything. That's not what he's saying to you. I know that. I've done it. That's completely wrong. It's wrong. I'm telling you. More times than not, it's one thing. More times than not, it's one risk. It's not standing up to your boss. Maybe it's praying for your boss. Hello? It's not standing up and saying, You're my wrong. job sucks. Just it's praying for wrong. that job that you don't like anymore. Being a real, in-the-closet Christian. Taking the things and the issues of this world from where we are to him. And saying, Lord, I'm bringing you right here next to me. Because I don't have the energy for it. I don't have the patience for it. If somebody comes in and talks to me and yells at me that we don't have tater tots on the, on the lunch line, I'm going to go crazy. I'm in food and nutrition. They want tots back. That's why. That's it. So as solemn and as quiet as this moment is, take it. And let it sink in. God is calling us to risk. We talked about vineyards. We've talked about getting out of our own way. We're talking about coming out on a Wednesday night for a prayer meeting. And it's all an invitation to draw you out for more. Do you want more? Do you want more? Do you want more? Seriously, do you want more? Yes or no? Do you want more? Do you want more? Yes. Do you want more? Then come Holy Spirit. So when we take this table today, we just ask, Lord Jesus, would we have more? Lord Jesus, would we, would we be so vulnerable and so risky to be naked before you? Lord Jesus, would you give us people around us that we can be naked with? Lord Jesus, would you give us safe people? We thank you, Father, that you are not tame. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are not out here to say, I want to give you a comfortable life or a richer life. I want to give you more money. That is not your gospel. We thank you, Jesus, that you've called us out more for ourselves, that where we stand today, tomorrow, we're somewhere else. That we can say, Lord, that you brought us from glory to glory to glory to glory as a person, as a church, as a nation, Lord Jesus. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen.